you know, listen, I didn't accomplish as much on the field as I would have liked, but I think that that's also what contributed to the things I learned, you know, both on and off the field. I, you know, anytime you play sports at a high level like that, um, you learn a lot about just the, the, the obvious things, hard work, discipline, teamwork, all of those elements. I think, you know, certainly the way that my career played out was plagued by injuries, um, you know, taught me a lot about perseverance, taught me a lot about humility. You know, you, everybody shows up on campus thinking they're going to light the world on fire, be all Big Ten, all American, first round draft pick. And, you know, I didn't I didn't sniff any of those things. So, you know, there was a humble, a, a healthy dose of humility that was learned along the way. And I think that's, you know, that's served me well. Welcome to the Athletes Doing Good podcast. We are so excited to welcome Jake Wood today. Uh, lives in LA with his wife and two daughters. And when he's not chasing the adorable loves of his life through the sand, he is the co-founder and CEO of Groundswell, a new stealth startup. Additionally, he remains the executive chairman of Team Rubicon, a global nonprofit he founded in 2010. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, we are based out of Wisconsin, and I know that you have an affinity to Wisconsin. Give us a little background about your time in Madison. Yeah, well, I uh, I was not born and raised in Wisconsin, but I consider myself a son of the state. I uh, was recruited by Barry Alvarez to go play football for the Badgers and was on the team from 2001 to 2005. Um, pretty awesome experience, and uh, I love that place. I, I can't get back there enough. So I'm, I'm just hoping that my, my one or both of my girls grew up to be amazing volleyball players and they can go jo join that team and win a national title and give me a reason to come back. So, so no plans for them at all. Yeah, no, n none, none, none whatsoever. No exactly. Well, I know you uh, share so much about your family too. And I just have to point out this crazy statistic that you guys have been to over 60 countries. Is that accurate? Well, my wife and I have been over to 60 countries. Yeah. Uh, we haven't been dragging our girls around the world like Not that. Yet. No. <laughs> what? You've got to tell us, what is one of your favorite places you've been? Uh, oh, man, that's tough. I mean, there are places in Southeast Asia that we that we love. They're beautiful. The Philippines, Thailand, places like that. Um, you know, we have loved all of our trips to Africa. Um, we did an amazing trip to East Africa. Uh five or six years ago now, um, where we went to mountain trekking uh, with mountain gorillas in Uganda. And we went into um, uh, Tanzania, Zanzibar, Kenya. Um, it was a it was a pretty amazing uh, two or three weeks. Wow. <laughs> Sounds exciting. We talked a little bit about your experience as a, you know, Badger football player, but Looking at the rest of your resume, um, it's it's truly unparalleled, you know, between the Marines, the football, your founder of several companies, author, entrepreneur. Um, but I think from what I've seen and if you're talking on the topics of leadership and organizational culture and social issues, let's take it back to the, to the Badgers first. But what attributes have you taken from your role there that you've applied on your journey? Well, I'm glad we're not focusing on my my football resume because this would be a really brief uh, uh, podcast. 
you know, listen, I didn't accomplish as much on the field as I would have liked, but I think that that's also what contributed to the things I learned, you know, both on and off the field. I, you know, anytime you play sports at a high level like that, um, you learn a lot about just the, the, the obvious things, hard work, discipline, teamwork, all of those elements. I think, you know, certainly the way that my career played out was plagued by injuries, um, you know, taught me a lot about perseverance, taught me a lot about humility. You know, you, everybody shows up on campus thinking they're going to light the world on fire, be all Big Ten, all American, first round draft pick. And, you know, I didn't I didn't sniff any of those things. So, you know, there was a humble, a, a healthy dose of humility that was learned along the way. And I think that's, you know, that served me well. And then lastly, you know, going back to perseverance, um, you know, it's important to learn that life's going to punch you in the face. Um, and, you know, folks need to understand that that's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's how do you take that? You know, do you clench your jaw and, and keep moving forward or do you, uh, you know, fall over and knock you back up? And I got knocked down a lot playing at Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, I managed to get up most of the times and I think that's probably served me well. What, what led you to the Marines following? Yeah, you know, I, I was on campus um, when 9-11 happened and then throughout, of course, the first couple of years of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I think when my time on campus came to an end, I, I wasn't really ready to take my degree and, and enter the real world. I, you know, it was, it was, I think it was a combination of a patriotic sense of duty, but also a desire for a little adventure. And um, only a 22-year-old uh, idiot looks at two wars and looks and thinks adventure. But, you know, I, you know, that was the case. And, you know, I got what I asked for. Wow. Well, uh, you definitely got what you asked for. You also have so much experience to share now because of that. With your military background and your fellow veterans, you started then Team Rubicon, which is an organization that emerged from the desire to help in the aftermath of Haiti's horrific earthquake. How did this group of eight veterans grow and transform into such a global force just from you speak of, you know, being 22 to creating this you know, whole brand into where it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly an unintended journey. I, you know, we, we went to Haiti in 2010 after that earthquake with no intention to start a disaster response nonprofit. We just wanted to go help and, you know, spend a week or two and, and come back and go about our lives. And I think a, a lot of entrepreneurial journeys start that way. Um, you know, kind of these, these moments that you don't really anticipate or seek out. And in those moments, you, you discover something, which might be a pain point, it might be a solution. It's usually both. Um, and I think, you know, we listened to that voice in our head that said, hey, there might be something here um, that's interesting and compelling. And, um, you know, we, we decided to pursue it. And then it kind of goes back to, you know, those things that we talked about learning previously, you know, primarily perseverance. You know, it's, we were trying to build a nonprofit organization in the shadow of the Great Recession. And, that was not for the faint of heart. And it was, I think people look at the organization today, you know, 150,000 volunteers and, you know, raising $50 million a year in, in philanthropy to do its work and think, wow, that, you know, it must've always been like that. It's like, no, 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 no. I had started at a kitchen table. I had to take out fake college loans to, to pay my, pay my own bills. And, um, you know, it was, there was a lot of, getting knocked down in that as well. But I think, you know, we got to see, or I got to see firsthand the 
the influence and the power and the impact that Team Rubicam makes in working with the JJ Watt Foundation mm. um, and through the Hurricane Harvey efforts and all that Team Rubicon came in and did um, on the ground level, truly. Yeah. Um, what has it been like um, seeing that impact? Like, t- I, I can't imagine like time after time, like you're going in to some of these dis- areas that have just been decimated by natural yeah. disasters um, and being able to see that community come together, others come together and volunteers come together and help. Um, and you're truly leaving it better than when you came. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was the greatest job in the world. You know, you had you got to wake up every day and make an impact in the world that was tangible. You know, it wasn't abstract or, you know, um, it was right there. You could touch it. You could feel it. You could see it. And that was unbelievable. It was also exhausting, you know. Um, and, you know, that's why after 11 years, I decided to hang up my cleats on it. Um, and, and there were a lot of reasons, if, you know, for me to move on for my role as CEO there. But, um you know, being on call 24 seven, responding to the world's emergencies, whether I was going onto the ground or not, which of course, let's be honest, by the, by the end of it, like I, you know, it's not like I was hopping on a plane every time something bad happened, but you're still like, you know, this is your job. It's your job. Yeah. To, to, to make the mission when, when those things happen. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was draining as much as it was fulfilling and, um, but it was powerful. I mean, you know, as much as people decry, the state of America and like our decline and society and all that stuff. I tell them like, don't look, you know, look at team Rubicon and you'll get re-inspired about what the potential is for the future. It just had its 14th anniversary too. So congrats. It's very exciting. Yeah, Hard to believe we made it 14 years. (laughs) 14 years ago, I I read a little bit about this and uh, you were 60 days out from the Marine Corps waiting decision letters on your MBA um, and watching the Haiti earthquake unfold. And you just speak to a lot of lessons learned in those moments. What were some of those that you realized in those times? That led to going to Haiti? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, you know, when if you, if you learn anything in the Marine Corps, you, you at least learn a bias for action. You know, there's, um, you know, a good plan, executed today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow. And and that's just kind of the hallmark of how the Marine Corps approaches um, life, you know, not just battles, but life. And so I think, you know, there was this, this instilled bias for action um, that we had that, um, that we listened to and, 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 you know, don't, don't discount that a handful of Marines um, have a very overinflated sense of self. And we probably thought we were a lot better than we were. And so yeah, it's a pretty crazy combination, a bunch of guys that think they're bulletproof and, um, you know, capable of anything and combine that with a bias for action, like you can get into some trouble. Luckily we decided to respond to an earthquake and not rob a bank. Sorry. Well, from looking at your resume and everything that you've accomplished and done, we know when you stepped aside from being CEO of, of Team Rubicon, that that wasn't going to be the end of your journey. Um, I can't, can't imagine with all of the travel that you've done and everything that you've done that you sit still very often. Um, and so you started another organization called Groundswell, and would love to learn a little bit more about that. 
Yeah. I mean, ultimately I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur again. And so um, I wanted to do something different and ended up in 2021 raising venture capital money um, to create a software company focused on disrupting philanthropy. Um, so still kind of in that same space, I wanted to do something that was still impactful in the world, but I wanted to maybe do something just like in a, through a completely different vein. And um, it's been fun. You know, we've, we've built a, a platform that democratizes corporate philanthropy. So what that means is, you know, we run um, uh, a platform that companies can provide personal giving accounts to their employees, these tax advantage giving accounts, almost like a 401k for charitable giving. We do all this automation around companies that want to match donations that their employees are making to, for charity. But there's a corporate volunteering component that we've built and just really trying to rethink how you engage today's modern workforce. Um, and it's been fun. I mean, at the same time, though, we started this company, uh, you know, about three months before, you know, probably the biggest tech recession since the dot-com bubble. And so, you know, again, not for the faint of heart, it's been challenging for two years, um, but we're in a really good place. We've got an amazing team. The product is second to none, and we're really excited to conquer the world with it. So it seems like a pattern, you know, when you, when you start the team Rubicon, when you yeah. started Groundswell. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Whenever I whenever I leave Groundswell and decide to start the next thing, like sell all your stock, things are about to get dicey, like whatever's going to happen. I don't, I, you know, yeah, um, trouble follows me. That's for sure. That's amazing. Um, one of the things that we always talk about is what does athletes doing good mean to you? What does athletes doing good mean to me? I, you know, I think athletes have this really special place in American society. Um, you know, we love sport. We love competition. We love our athletes. We love our, we love our winners. And um, we put this on, we put them on this, uh, this amazing pedestal with this huge spotlight. We know what they're doing 24 hours a day. And, um, you know, with, with great power comes great responsibility, right? You know, these are, these are men and women who, have the hearts and minds of tens of thousands, tens of millions of people. And there's just so much opportunity to wield that for good. Um, and whether that's just going about your life the right way, you know, treating people with respect, um, you know, not driving your Ferrari 150 miles through a, a you know, a, a neighborhood, like, you know, just, you know, there's kind of like one end, which is like, be a good human. And then there's, there's kind of the the next phase of that, which is like, okay, now how do you, how do you really leverage your platform, your influence for good? And whether that's um, advocating for those who can't advocate for themselves, whether that's giving your money away, your time away, your celebrity away, um, you know, those are, those are just powerful things. And there's so many great examples of that. You know, you've got JJ Watts Jersey behind you. You talked about the work that he did in Houston, you know, um, and talk about a guy that, you know, the, the dog that caught the car. I mean, Guy sets out to raise a couple hundred grand, raises 50 million bucks. And, you know, that's a material amount of money in a community that just got devastated. Yeah. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it. Without a doubt. I think, too, that, you know, you spoke to it a little bit about that, the impact, but the finding your why um, and making it authentic to who you are, what you're doing to be able to give back. You know, I think about you jumping into action with Haiti you know, coming off of the Marines um, because it was something that you truly cared about and valued and knew you could make an impact. 
And it wasn't something that you were doing for fame. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was who you are. Didn't it go to Haiti to get famous? That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't join the Marine Corps to get famous. Went to Wisconsin to get famous. Did right. not get famous. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think we should all aspire to do more. Like, you know, I, I li I've lived a very blessed life despite all the hardship I have faced, you know, and I, I've, I have faced it. Uh, but I can I can look at the balance of my life and realize that, you know, I'm the luckiest man in the world. What am I going to do with it? You know, um, don't squander it. Well, thank you for your service. Not only within the Marines, but through Team Rubicon and everything that you're doing. Um, it's truly uh, appreciated and, and we're definitely thankful that you're able to join us today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me.